Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. What President Trump said that he wants to do with North Korea at the Singaporean summit may be the biggest door opener for missionaries around the world that have a target set on North Korea that the world has ever seen. Thank you for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. This is a part two segment of something that I started on our last podcast, and I want to finish it on this podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us again. I'm so happy for those of you that are our gatekeepers that are supporting us on a monthly basis because what we're doing in North Korea right now could not happen without your support. For the month of May, we received about 17 gatekeepers that joined on together with us. That's one gatekeeper every two days. Maybe one of you that are listening to this podcast right now are one of those new gatekeepers. And if so, I want to welcome you and thank you. Really, really, I want to, th- I know that other ministries say they, they want to thank you, but I really do. I just sent in support into North Korea and was able to support our North Korean missionaries because, only because of gatekeepers like you that are listening to this podcast. As I said in my last podcast, I wrote to a couple ministries that and told them that we needed help in North Korea for our North Korean projects, but they were not able to help us. They were not able to send even one penny to help us on that North Korean venture, but you, the gatekeepers, are, and I want to thank you for that. So right now, what we are looking at in North Korea, I think, is very, very special because, as you know, President Trump said on May 24th, that the meeting in North Korea was off. Before the day dawned, or before the day ended, before the, 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 the sun set in the east, there was already a proclamation that came out from North Korea that was as close as you could get to begging as human, humanly possible in the diplomatic circle. It was a groveling uh, uh, announcement that basically told America, we will meet you anywhere, anytime you choose. Anywhere you want to choose, we'll be there. We really want this to happen, and they do. They got people dying from starvation in the upper echelon. I shared with uh, on the last podcast how there was a soldier that was found May 20th, arrived in a station at a train station, dead, on arrival, on the train. Not because he was killed, not because he was murdered, but because he died of starvation. People are dying before they even get to make it home. They're, they're not eating meals on the train. They're not stopping at a McDonald's at the nearest train station to grab a meal. Every time you have food today, I want you to think of the North Koreans that have nothing, nothing. Maybe you just walk into your cabinets and grab something a snack, some chips. Maybe you open up your fridge, grab some fruit. 
Maybe you pour yourself a soda. Maybe you don't have time to make food, so you go out and buy something from a fast food restaurant. That meal, though a lot of people may look down on it because they say it's fast food and it's not very healthy, I love McDonald's. I am a McDonald's believer. Um, and I thank God every time I set down to my Big Mac meal and I have my large Coke, my large, I'm not doing large fries anymore right now because I've been doing uh, this low carb thing with my wife. So I'll do like a Coke zero and a, a McDonald's burger without the bun. And I'll put it on like a, a, a bed of salad and I'll have, because if somebody tells me you can actually continue living life eating cheeseburgers, you just can't have the bread. Um, sorry, bread. I think it's time that we see other people. I don't think that this is working for us anymore. It's not, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> so every time I set down for a meal at McDonald's, I really have to give God thanks for that convenience for that, for, for the ability to be able to give currency to somebody that is able to make that food for me as good as it is. I know what I'm getting. I know what the flavors are going to be like. It's not, it's not an experiment. I, I'm not stepping into something that I, I, I know exactly what it's going to taste like. And it, it, it is amazing to taste the taste, the flavors explode. You may not agree with that, but, but I mean, for me, it's an amazing flavor. So not only do I get to eat something that keeps me alive, I get to eat something that gives me joy. I get to eat something that makes me happy. It's not a happy meal, but it's a meal that makes me happy. These guys in North Korea, forget about flavors. Forget about ex the, the explosion of, of different spices and sauces. Forget about the convenience of sitting down in a location that is clean, getting food that is safe to consume. They're pulling bark off of trees. I, I wrote a book about one of the pastors that I worked together with that took goose crap during the Great Leap Forward days in China, and his mother would make soup from that, and he got sick, was poisoned from tree bark because that's all that they could get, and they had to pay for it because tree bark was so rare. They even had to pay for the tree bark. So when you sit down for your meal today with your kids, thank God that today you have the food to be able to consume because so many people in North Korea do not have that. And we are looking at the closest thing I believe that we've ever seen as diplomatic begging out of North Korea. People have come out of North Korea and have even shared about a video that's been circulating around about Kim Jong-un going and seeing different sites and openly crying. Now you have to remember he is a god. He, he, is, a, he is a heavenly being to the North Koreans. So for him to weep, to cry is a big deal. And they, they actually got him on camera crying. And that was in April when we were praying. 
So some of you that were praying, maybe you prayed that the leader's heart would be softened. Maybe you prayed that the leader would open up his eyes. Maybe you prayed that the doors would be open to North Korea. I can tell you, if you prayed that, if you're one of the people that were with us for the North Korean prayer guide, your prayers have been answered and thank God Almighty. You have to praise God because your prayers in April were answered. What we have seen is a leader's heart that has been softened. And one of the reasons I believe that it's softened is because now we are seeing the lower level that's been suffering for all these years. What they've been facing is now just a little taste of it is starting to hit the top echelon, the cadre that are around Kim Jong-un. And so Kim Jong-un has reportedly been crying. He brought the, the, uh, the North Korean delegation as well as the foreign press to watch the shutdown of the Pyongyang nuclear testing site where they tested six nuclear tests. So this Pyongyang nuclear testing site, or I guess I can just say PYR, um, the, this nuclear testing site has been officially destroyed. Now, I believe that it was already destroyed from the moment that the saints of God gathered together around the world and began praying. But it was officially destroyed and many newspaper people, foreign journalists were brought out to be able to witness it. Now, a lot of people are now saying, well, it can you know, be started up at any time. Yes, it can. But for the moment, it has been absolutely destroyed and reports are now coming out that individuals that were living in that area have are now experiencing premature deaths in large numbers because of the uh, radiation that was not properly handled in that area. People are dying, early premature deaths. And I'm sure there's probably some birth deformities if we're able to go in and independently monitor some of the activities taking place in that area. I bet you more than anything, we would find birth defects and, and uh, really complicated illnesses with the people. And the healthcare system is done in North Korea, it's over. There's no healthcare system. The idea of free healthcare, pff, whoever's telling you that is a lie. There's no free healthcare in North Korea. People are being, there's a shakedown by the mob taking place when you go into North Korea for the healthcare system. People are giving their right arm in order to get any sort of treatment whatsoever. But the next day after the letter came out that President Trump was canceling the meetings, the very next day, uh, Chairman Kim, Kim Jong-un, came out and criticized, openly criticized senior officials within his government in a message that called them to take the leadership role in a sincere and practical manner in negotiating for the U.S. DPRK summit in Singapore. And that make sure that they are in line with the demands of this current rapidly changing period. And he basically slapped them on the hands for and blamed it on them. Basically blamed them for having an outdated policy as it pertains to diplomacy. So May 24th, Trump writes a letter. May 24th, before the sun goes down an official statement comes out of North Korea that basically begs America to not cancel the meeting, that they will meet anytime, anywhere, any place, any time. I said that already. Yes, I did. But the very next day, 
he makes a public address, sits down and shares that this summit still needs to take place. And, and he, they want it to take place, and they have this, this idea of Jucha. Now, if you've ever listened to our Back to Jerusalem podcast before, I've shared a little bit about Jucha. Jucha is basically the religion inside of North Korea. It's this idea of self-sufficiency, but it's not self-sufficiency. It's self-sufficiency within the borders of North Korea. But they praise the leader, uh, Kim Il-sung, as a godlike figure in Jucha. He is the he is the father forever of the Korean people. They want equal footing. They don't want to be treated as an inferior. And yet they don't want equal footing because one of the things that just came out today that the U.S. is trying to work through is the fact that North Korea has no way to pay for their hotel bill. They've, they've demanded that when they meet inside of Singapore that the, that the president stay at the presidential suite in, at the Fullerton Hotel, which is this, this um, high-class, high-end, like six-star hotel right on the water inside of Singapore. I've never been in the doors of the Fullerton. I mean, this is a, this is a, an amazing hotel. The, the, the suite, the presidential suite is 6,000 US dollars per night. They're not going to pay it. America doesn't want to pay it. So the American delegation is talking to Singapore about what Singapore can do to actually make this happen to pay for. But so they want equal footing. They have this idea of Jucha that we must be independent. Okay, independent, then stay at the hotel that you can afford. They have a YMCA there. I've stayed at the, I've stayed at the YWCA. The, the, one of the cheaper hotels. It, 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 maybe, maybe you can find a hostel, a youth hostel. Stay there. You want your jucha. You want your independence. <laughs> this reminds me of man when he wants to be away from God. He, he wants to claim independence, but then he wants God to, you know, give him food and, and help the grass grow and make the sun come out. And he's, this is not, the, they've been doing this for years. I mean, the Olympic delegation from North Korea that, that, you know, went to the Olympics and you saw all these, these, uh, these women that were cheering. They were part of the cheer squad. Yeah. That cheering squad from North Korea, you know, the one that actually attacked an impersonator of Kim Jong un, which was really funny, by the way. He's an Australian Hong Kong guy. Um, and he looks exactly like Kim Jong un. If you haven't seen those YouTube videos, they are stinking hilarious. So Kim Jong un dressed up uh, this, this lookalike goes out in front of the cheering squad and basically cheers for North Korea. And you got the goon squad that comes out and basically beats him up and throws him out of there. Dude, who are you throwing out of the arena? You're a guest. You're, you you don't run that place. I, I mean, I was upset because the cheering squad, you know how much it, it costs the OIC, the, uh, the Olympic International Committee to pay the, uh, the OIC paid for that cheering squad from North Korea to come. Oh yeah, they paid. They paid $2.6 million for what? You can drive across the board. They didn't fly. It wasn't looking, it wasn't like they had to take international tickets to Paris. You know, flying first class or something. They, they took a broke down train probably to the border and then was escorted to their hotel, which is just a few minutes, you know, down the road from the 38th parallel. So it wasn't like they, they did any real international travel. That's like an American going up to Canada. Yeah, it's a different country, but it's not real international travel. Uh, the, 
the the idea of two point six million dollars being spent on the the cheering squad from North Korea. I think most of that had to do with the delegation. That's why you had Kim Jong Un's sister, his lovely sister, who is the dragon lady in charge of propaganda for the country. Uh, which was given heaps of praise by Western media, by the way. And she's one of the top people that is responsible for the deaths of individuals inside of North Korea day after day after day because the propaganda that she's force-feeding and shoving down the throats of the everyday North Koreans on a daily basis. $2.6 million. Where's your juche on that one? Your independence. Uh, even even when the U.S. delegation travels to NK, I know this. I, I we even do this in Africa from time to time, so I know how this works. I know how this game is played. When the U.S. delegation comes to North Korea to negotiate hostages that have been taken over, and that's what they are—they're hostages. So when they go and do these hostage negotiations to be able to get U.S. prisoners back to America, that, those U.S. delegations are treated to the very best hotels, giving these massive, elaborate meals. And then taking around and giving this dog and pony show on all of the historical sites that are in the area. And then before they leave, they're given this, they're slapped with this massive bill. Regular delegations, if you really want to improve uh, how your diplomats are actually interacting with other countries, how about you abide by your own ideas of Ju Cha and stand on your own too for a little bit and provide people with what you can provide them? Because usually diplomacy is that when somebody comes for a state dinner, you they are your guest and you do something elaborate for them to be able to show them how important that relationship is. You don't serve them with a bill, which – like I said, I've done several times before. I've done it in North Korea. I've traveled when I've I've traveled into North Korea before, and I've had two guys that are assigned to me that I don't want, but the 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 government makes sure that they're with me everywhere that I go. They have to stay on either side of me to escort me everywhere that I go to watch all of my activities. These are these are minders, individuals that are attached to foreigners to make sure that foreigners don't stray off of the path that they have set before them. So I've had these minders with me before. I've stayed at hotels. I've had to pay for their room. It's a part of my fee. But then at night, they will invite their friends and their family and their buddies to come and have these big elaborate dinners. And then they all get drunk on foreign whiskey, Johnny Walkers. And they're, they got all this different, um, amazing food. They're doing it in a great restaurant. They're having the, the alcohol of their choice. And guess where that bill goes? Straight onto mine. And I fought that and I fought it many times. But here's the end of the game. The end of the game is, yeah, you don't have to pay it, but there's going to be trouble with anything that you're doing inside. You will not be able to come back inside and all of your stuff will stop, and that's fine with me. I've, I've gone that line with them before, but I've been slapped with these big bills where the people are having these amazing nights and it's all on the guest's bill. That's what they're doing in Singapore. That's what we're seeing with Kim Jong-un, but – we are seeing a different tactic, and this is what I wanted all of our listeners to know. The biggest opportunity in North Korea could be right at the edge of opening up that we've ever seen before because Donald Trump has said this. He said that he is not wanting to help North Korea with government financing. So the way that governments have helped North Korea in the past is basically give North Korea money for food, bringing in aid, helping build up infrastructure. And so governments pay that. People pay that with their taxes. 
We see that from Japan's side. We see that from Korea's side. Korea, Japan, and America have been given, given and given and given. And what have they gotten for their dollar? Who's been helped? Would anybody argue that North Korea is somehow better today financially than they were 20 years ago when aid started to go in at the beginning of the sunshine policy of South Korea? No. It's not gotten better. But Donald Trump said that he is ready to open up the floodgates of the businessman to allow business investors to come in with aid and projects like has never been seen before. (laughs) If that's true, if that works, we will see a door open for missionaries, not just Chinese missionaries. Missionary, it maybe you're not, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're not connected with Back to Jerusalem at all. Maybe you just have a heart for North Korea. If you have a heart for North Korea, I believe that we may be in one of the best years that has ever been in the last 60 for North Korea. Hold on to your seats, buckle your seatbelts. Because it might be a ride in the next 6 to 12 months like we have never seen before. And many of our prayers for North Korea may be on the verge of being answered in a big, big way. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time. And I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless.